0: Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have conversations with fellow freelance models. Today, I have Antique Model on the other line. Say hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good to talk to you finally and do this podcast with you. I've been following you on Instagram and we're all in all those group chats together and you have so much like valuable insight that I think really adds to the community. Well, thank you.
1: I don't know how much insight I have as opposed to other folks who've been in the industry for longer, but I'm always happy to share my thoughts and my observations.
0: You're over on the East Coast. What what town are you located in? So technically I'm in upstate New York, but on my social media
1: profiles and my modeling ports, I always say New York as in New York City. And that's because there's not a lot of paid work in my general area. So I always kind of default to like the biggest metro that's closest to me and that's New York City. I can kind of just hop in my car. I'm just so used to driving like sh- just so many miles and so many hours that it's nothing for me. I'll just hop in my car and drive down and be there in a couple of hours and that's kind of where I base my, my uh, center out of.
0: Sweet. Upstate New York is beautiful. I've been through that area once and I hope to go back eventually because you guys have some really cool abandoned buildings and stuff out there.
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, abandoned buildings can be found any place, but like I tend to think of upstate New York more as just for the, how scenic it is. I'm kind of close to the Hudson Valley and the Hudson Valley, like right now we're in the middle of the fall foliage and the colors are just amazing. And this is probably one of the most beautiful times of the year. And there are just a ton of state parks and trails in the Hudson Valley So lots of great places to shoot outdoors. And for myself, I actually have a goal to uh, kind of do some location scouting over the next several months. Once you start heading into like the colder weather, you're still going to get people who hike, but not nearly as many when it's flooded with as the the summertime. So it's a good time to kind of go out, check out the parks and uh, try to find secret spots to do shoots (laughs) in.
0: Cool. Oh my God. I love fall colors. I always end up in Utah or Arizona during the fall though. So it, it's like, it's beautiful here too, but I do miss like the orange leaves.
1: If you Yeah, I, <laughs> I absolutely love the work that you do in Utah and Arizona. Like I just, I see... You know, the, the work that you post, and I'm like, oh my God, it's just jaw dropping, just incredibly beautiful locations. But I will put in a plug for the Northeast in the fall. Maybe you should, you know, decide to make a change one fall and just come out here. I'm happy to host yeah. you and I can take you around and share spots with you, but this would be an amazing place oh. to do Houston. So, might
0: want to think about it. That would be so yeah. cool. You know, you mentioned that there's one year that I did, like, somebody told me that upper michigan area had amazing fall colors too and i was like okay i'm gonna go there on these dates and i was in the habit of planning all my trips like three months in advance but you can't plan for nature and i missed the window of time by like two weeks for there to be like peak orange leaves
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that's it's interesting that you raised that point because it's very true and the fall, like I generally have an idea of when it's going to kind of happen, but the same thing, it's like, even, even where I am, you're, you're kind of trying to generally guesstimate like within a two week period. And it's weird. Like I've talked to a few people, like our leaves have really held on for a long time, but the fall colors were really slow in coming. And now all of a sudden it's like, bam, it's like everywhere. And then the leaves have started falling, but yeah, we're kind of like, we're kind of peak season right now. But yeah, sometimes it's, it's come early and other times it's just very muted. So I, you, you never really know.
0: You've got to be able to like catch the opportunity instead of deciding when you think it's going to happen, I guess.
1: Yeah, for something like this. Yeah, you got to kind of be out here probably a little bit early and then just hope that you're you're gauging it right.
0: Well, I would like to give you the opportunity if you would, to talk about the history of your modeling. How did you first get into it? And how has your modeling career progressed to where it's led you to where you are today?
1: Hoy, uh, we're jumping in. So I started in 2017. And the very, very first shoot that I ever did was actually in, I believe it was October of 2016. So here's the thing. So I'm an older model, hence the name Antique Model, uh, and I'll go into that later, but that was a deliberate marketing strategy to, to come up with that name. But I wanted to model back when I was in college, undergraduate college, and this is going back a long time. So I'm five foot six and I'm too short for runway. But when I was in college, a modeling recruiter came to campus, and I'm dating myself here, but this was before the days of digital photography. So I had a yep, I had an eight by ten black and white shot of me that a friend had taken, and she was a film photographer, and she developed this the film lab on campus. So I had this eight by ten, and it was clothes. I mean, I did not even know that nude modeling existed back then, right? So this is just a nice shot of me. It was a portrait. I was sitting in a field, kind of like in the fall. So it was a pretty picture. So I showed it to him and he looked at it and he said, yes, you know, you definitely have a special look. But he said, you know, you're too short for one way, but you could have a career in print modeling. And I was interested in that. But at that time, you had to move to New York City to be serious if you're going to pursue a career in modeling. And the city scared me. So I didn't go. And I just ended up doing what everybody else does or a lot of people do. I just finished my college education, pursued career, marriage, mortgage, family, that kind of thing. And I forgot about modeling. So 2016, my stepdaughter you know, was 18 and out of high school, and I no longer felt like I had to be a helicopter parent. And now I had freedom to kind of pursue things that I wanted to do. And I looked around online at that time and found meetup.com and found that there was a bunch of photography groups on that platform and so I joined a bunch and I found one that was having they did themed photo shoots and one of them was 1940s Hollywood film noir which I absolutely love and it was being held at this Victorian mansion that was about 90 minute drive south from me so I said I can do this and they promoted this it was a TFP shoot they said no experience necessary, just put together a look of the period and come on down. So that was like model boot camp for me. Like that was my first photo shoot ever. I put together a look that was like kind of 1940s. I went down there and it was in retrospect, it was so funny because it was a bunch of local models, local photographers, and the models were so bitchy. (laughs) It was just this whole air of like, you know, like bitchy, like competition and like all these, you know, models that were just kind of in competition with each other and I had no clue what was going on you know I kind of stayed quiet I asked a few questions here and there shot with a few photographers and I got enough pictures back that I was able to open a profile on model mayhem so the very instantly and this is unbeknownst to me at the time because I just had no clue as a brand new baby model had no idea like how the community is, how the industry is for the freelance art modeling thing. I immediately started getting flooded with all these requests from local photographers in my area. And of course, what did they want to shoot? They wanted to shoot nudes. Okay. So (laughs) the benefit of my age is that I had had a long white collar career, including I I had four years of marketing, advertising, and PR under my belt. So even being brand new to modeling, I knew that my image was my brand. And the only way that I could control my image was by controlling who I worked with. So even not knowing anything more than that, I would look at the photographer's ports and a lot of them were just, you know, I'm sorry, I have to be honest, they were not good. And even being brand new, the the whole point of of their offer was for me to get images. And I thought to myself, you know, if I work with such and such a person, and that's not going to help me because that's not going to be good images for my port. So I was polite to people, but I declined a lot of offers. And then I got this message from a photographer in the Hudson Valley and wanted to do a nude shoot. And I took a look at his port. His He had a, a website online. He did fashion and editorial. And a lot of it was clothed, but he had some fashion nudes that I really, really liked. His photography was really good, very tasteful, very classy, very elegant. And I was like, and I was like yes, okay. Like, yeah, I totally work with this person. So, this was in December. <laughs> so, I go down, I go down to his studio. It's in one of those old drafty, um, you know, turn of the century brick warehouse buildings with, you know, 15 foot high glass windows. And I was freezing my butt off. Oh, my God. Ah, I was so cold. But we did a TF shoot. And at the time, I also didn't know any better about TF. So, I shot with this guy for five hours. Oh, my God. I would not do that again, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I brought a few dresses. We, we shot the dresses. He was trying to give me instruction on how to like, you know, how to, you know, sell the dress and that kind of thing in terms of posing. But I was just winging it like I didn't really know how to pose. I was just trying to, to do poses that I thought worked or, or you know, w- would look good. But he was a very nice guy. I got a few more images back that were, you know, I thought were very good. And I put those in my port and then it just kinda of went from there. So I started getting more and more requests for shoots. Most of them were TF. I did get paid for some. And of course it was not at today's rate. It was back then. This was uh twenty seventeen. But I would say Within nine months, so I did my my second nude shoot was in January 2017. By September 2017, I started charging, and I started. I was following a lot of models at the time on Instagram and Facebook. Just my mo is I like to research. Um, I research a shit ton out of anything that I'm interested in, and typically, I consider myself to be a quiet person, meaning I like to observe conversations because I learn a lot by seeing what people say and how they conduct themselves and information that's shared. So I got an idea from other models' conversations about what they were charging at the time. So I think I started charging, I started asking for 100 an hour, which I think even back in 2017 was probably a little bit below the standard rate for a more experienced pro model because I think some were charging 125 back then. Yeah, so I started asking for 100 an hour, and then I did a few months of that. And then by the summer of 2018, I raised it to 125 to be equal with, with other people. So that's kind of how I got started. Yeah.
0: I want to take a short little break to tell you about Model Society. ModelSociety.com is a website dedicated to featuring figurative, fine art photography for models and photographers. What makes them different than other portfolio hosting websites is that Some of those other websites will still host kind of tacky photography or exploitative photos. Model Society screens all of their contributors for quality and authenticity. So you only get the best of the best on there. If you're not a photographer or model, you can still enjoy and appreciate Model Society because they also have newsletters and magazines featuring their best work and new articles each week. Check it out, modelsociety.com. I will also include a link to Model Society in the show notes. All right, now back to our show. That's cool. So you had an initial like exposure to modeling from that film shoot back in your college days. And then later in life, after working a bunch of white-collar jobs, you came across photography through meetups, did a meetup, And then started your model mayhem and then got a rush of people contacting you and then kind of learned through looking at other people interacting with each other online, like how the industry works and like calculated, like how you're going to run your business.
1: Well, it's so funny on that point. So yeah, I the, the, and I just wanted to kind of qualify something because I think it's you know I just have to make an editorial comment about the rush of people contacting me on Model Mayhem. It's mostly because these are male photographers wanting free nudes. <laughs> they were they wanted me to shoot nudes TFP. On that point, but then also on the on the you mentioned business, I did not realize that it was a business. It took me a long time to even really understand that. And I didn't think of it as a business. I thought about it as I guess a creative pastime or creative thing that I was interested in pursuing. And so, yes, I was going to charge for my time because I felt that if other people were getting tra- uh, were, were getting paid or compensated for their time and their talent and the efforts that they brought to the table, then I was going to do the same thing. But I never, I never thought of it as a business until... I don't know. It just took me a long time to kind of develop that mentality. So, and I still feel like I think about it a little bit differently than than a lot of people. I and mean, I can talk about that a little bit later too, but I don't have nearly the amount of bookings that other pro models do in the in the community, and it's for a couple of reasons. One of those is my age. I'm definitely a lot of photographers. I'm not their cup of tea because I'm not in my 20s. But it's also because I think I'm super super picky about who I decide to work with. So, and I know this is just a, a decision that everybody makes for themselves in terms of what they're you know what they're going to pursue and what they're going to accept if they're looking for income uh, to do this on a full time basis, but. I have, and I'm privileged and I know this, I have a partner that basically has a really good job and, you know, he's able to cover our monthly bills so that if I don't quote make bank in a month, you know, I'm not going to be faced with being out on the street or not being able to make rent or mortgage. So that eases some of the pressure in terms of, you know, on the business side.
0: That's good. I mean, it's great to have a partnership with somebody where you guys take care of each other, but you can still, you know, make your own like as it comes.
1: Yeah, and I am. I'm very grateful for that. The art, it matters a lot to me. I've met some really wonderful people. I'm the kind of person that I like to try to maintain friendships, uh, create friendships with people, and and stay in contact with photographers if I if I'm able to, and that doesn't happen with everybody. And I know it. I, it's this way for all of us. Some people we get, we just really click with, we connect with, and we stay in touch with. And some other photographers might be like a one-time booking, a one-time shoot, and then we just don't stay in contact and we don't work with that person again for whatever reason. And not because anything bad happened. It's just, you know, for whatever, we just kind of go our, our separate ways. But if I can, like I've definitely remained in touch with, uh, with various folks since 2017, and I always appreciate having um, those, those professional friendships. It means a lot.
0: Yeah, true. And I think that, like, maintaining a positive connection or a friendship with photographers kind of, like, overrides, like, the aging. Because if they like you as a model and they like working with you, they're most likely still going to hire you, unless they're, for whatever reason, deciding that they're going to put you on their shelf or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, if they're superficial, yeah. it's That's true. I do know that there are models out there who have probably... 15, maybe even 20 years of experience under the belt and very long-standing friendships with photographers that continue to book them. And and that is heartening to know. So, and I do believe that that is the human factor. That's the human connection because someone who may have started out with us way early in our career and we click and we get along and we just maintain that, that friendship there. Yeah. A lot of times you're going to continue wanting to work with us. And that that's, that's good to know. That's a good feeling.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I've actually I have thought about this quite a bit, too, because I'm in my now late 30s and I have never like uh, misrepresented my age on my model mayhem profile. I I just have always felt like like if people are going to assume that I look older than I do in my photos, like that's their problem and they can miss out on shooting with me, I suppose, if if they're assuming or if they're filtering out the age. But I I remember the first time I worried about this, I was turning 26 back at, you know, like 10 years ago. And I thought like back then, like a little over 10 years ago, when you went on Craigslist, the ads all said like looking for models 18 to 25 and From what I recall, I think that Model Mayhem's search feature defaulted to 18 to 25. If you were going to do like a browse categories of users, the model, like you would have to modify the age range on Model Mayhem's search to like open it past 18 to 25 if you wanted to hire a model over 25. God forbid, right?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I've got plenty to say on that subject. That's a very sore subject for me. So I will be honest about it. I'm really struggling with the aging. I'm not dealing well with it emotionally or psychologically. And I'll just be blunt. It's because for years, you know, I was used to looking a certain way and I've just noticed, especially in the past five years, oh, (laughs) changes are happening and I'm not thrilled with them. So that's just me. It's my personal thing that I'm dealing with. But flip side of that, I still feel like I do some pretty damn good artwork, damn it. And, you know, not every shot of me is fantastic, but I have a lot of really great shots from a lot of great shoots with photographers. And I feel like I have a lot to offer because for a variety of reasons, you know, I'm not going to hold myself up up as the best and like in everything, because there are people who are definitely, you know, more skilled than me at posing or, you know, these kinds of things. But I think I do a pretty damn good job for what I do. And I also have a lot of good knowledge and experience to bring to the table from my professional career. I just approach things in a way I'm very detail oriented. I'm very organized. I am good at communication with photographers I like to make sure that, you know, logistics are thought out ahead of time. Like I'm just very organized and I bring a lot to the table when working with a photographer. So for all of that wrapped up in a package for me, for someone who is over 50, you know, I, I just feel like the photographers who who don't want to work with me and have blown me off or just dis- dissed me. I'm like, I'm sorry. They're, they're freaking idiots because they're really missing out on the opportunity to work with someone that they could have had a great shoot with. And because they're ageist and they don't want to shoot with anybody who looks much over 30, then, you know, they're missing out. <laughs> so that's, that's Yeah. It's just ridiculous, the whole age thing.
0: Also, creatively, I feel like if your creative visions, like, are capped at, like, you know, models under 30, then that just, like, kind of makes your whole photography sort of, like, I don't know what's the word I'm trying to say. I think it kind of like makes you look less of a creative person and more like a chauvinist in my opinion. Like if you can't like use your creativity beyond what like youth looks like, then what is it? You know, a lot of photographers I see are actually seeking out you know, a more diverse like style of model or like different ages and different body types. And I know that that, that wave of diversity and inclusion is becoming greater and greater these days. Uh, Have you, um, have you felt that? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I
1: have, well, I, so I just want to go back to one thing that you said, like you like see the photographers who can't see beyond say the age of 30. To me, that is a lack of creative, vision. They are self-limited and I kind of feel sorry for those people because they think they're artists and I don't necessarily think they are. But so yes, I've definitely seen a push towards a broader acceptance of different body types, you know, different skin colors, different ethnicities, that kind of thing, and gender identities. And that's great. I will still say this though. I do feel like age is still the final barrier that is not falling very easily because as far as I see diversity, the, the people who are outside the white thin mainstream, they are still they still tend to be younger. I'm still not seeing a lot of older models out there. And that could be probably it could be primarily for the reason that I think a lot of older people are not modeling. So they're like in terms of volume, there's just like fewer people to work with that who are older models. But even for the ones that do exist out there, I just, I'm not, I, in other words, I'm not getting people who are ever come to me and say, I want to shoot with you because you're older. So if I, re- I, I have to do cold calling. I, um, I almost never get people who reach out to shoot with me. So sometimes when I reach out to someone, they'll say, they'll comment on my age and they say, oh, you know, I've been, I, I appreciate working with older models and that they don't know many, but I just don't have a lot of people commenting positively on my age as a A benefit to them. So that's why I'm out there. That's another reason why I persevere, quite frankly. I feel like I want to be front and center in someone's face that I am older because I'm not going to shut up and I'm not going to go away.
0: Yeah. You're not going to pretend to be like somebody that you're not. Like you want somebody to shoot with you because of who you are And what, like you said before, like the skills that you can bring to the table, not to, you know, try and pretend like you're some other Barbie or, you know, dime a dozen.
1: Well, we had talked a little bit earlier. So I guess this is a point where I'm just going to talk about that I have a previous art persona. So some folks out there are going to know this and some folks are not if they weren't following me previously. I used to model under the name Vox Serene. And I had a completely different look. So from 2017 to 2021, I had long black hair and I modeled under the name Vox. And I love the work I did as Vox. I really do. Just so many wonderful shoots and great images. But I also was very frustrated because I definitely felt age discriminated. And it just, it got so bad for me that at one point, I had to take a hiatus in 2022 because my father was at home with a terminal illness and I had to to take care of him. So, and in November, 2021, I kind of decided to, you know, stay off the road and to be home with my dad. But I was also extremely frustrated because of what I felt was just how difficult it had been like pulling teeth to get bookings. So one night I'm sitting on my couch and it's like, I don't know, 1130 at night and I'm two martinis in on my couch and I just, I needed a change. I just needed a wholesale change and my hair had been bugging me because it was so long that I felt like every time I sat down, it was kind of catching underneath me and I'd had really, really long hair for like, I hadn't had a haircut in like five years and it was just, I just needed a wholesale change and the whole age thing was really weighing on me and I just decided that's it. I'm cutting it all off and I'm completely changing my hair because I was dyeing it black to try to cover up the white that was coming in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, couldn't have that. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to completely, I'm going to just go white. I'm going to completely go white, wholesale opposite from what I look like. And I'm going to chop the hair. So I did. And then I'm sitting there thinking, okay, rebrand. I'm just going to completely leave Vox behind because I just want to have a completely new Persona, a new identity. But quite frankly, I'll be honest on this point, I wanted to make it an identity that was going to be in people's face and um, on the age issue. So I thought to myself, model name, like, you know, what am I going to call myself? And I wanted to call myself antique, but not the way that it's spelled like, you know, antique furniture, because I needed to have, I felt like for marketing and promo, I just needed something different. So my middle name is Anne. And then I'm thinking teak. And I decided, as a very clever plan, words, I'm going to have my last name be T E A K. So if you read it, that's a type of wood. But if you say it together, antique, ah, most people like the little light bulb turns on and they're like, oh. So I, was, uh, I rebranded myself. I was reborn as antique model. And uh, that's what I go by these days.
0: I love it. It's very creative and I think it works. And I love that your identity change came with like a like a hair chop off because I can slightly relate to that myself. Yes. Yeah, sometimes,
1: you know, like I loved like even even today like I look at the Vox pictures and I just oh especially after I first did it. Oh my god, it took me a long time to like get over missing my hair. I loved it. I love the long black hair, but you know, I I like my look now, so but yeah, sometimes you just you just need a wholesale change, um, and it, it does feel good now. So
0: yeah, I think that hair holds like its memories in it somehow. Huh? I think that it it holds like like for me when I shaved my head, I felt like I cut off my ego. I felt like I had a limb that was unnecessary that I finally got rid of.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Well, I can definitely feel how freeing that would be. Yeah. Wow. So when I did my hair, I didn't go bald, but I I got a really really short haircut, like like super short pixie. And then I've just been letting it grow out. So my goal now, my hair is a little bit longer and I've started posting work from some shoots that you can see that my hair is longer. But the reason I'm I'm letting it grow out a little bit is because I want to have my hair long enough so I can do like the 1920s finger waves because I, if i can learn how to do that myself i want that to kind of be like my persona with the antique model with the 1920s yes. waves that would be really cool
0: <laughs> yeah awesome that would be awesome i I've, I've i've done that a couple of times it's hard but i get a little bit better at it every time <laughs>
1: yeah i was i was doing like a ton of research on youtube so there are, obviously there are uh videos on there of people doing uh like the retro vintage hairstyles and i just have to figure out how to do it at home like i just think I might be able to get the sides, but how the
0: heck do you do that in the back of your head? <laughs> I just avoid the back of the head. I'm like, people aren't going to be shooting the back of my head anyway. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. So I don't know. I'm going
1: to have to figure it out. But hopefully one of these days, um, I'll just give it a go and see how it turns out.
0: Cool. Right on. Well, I've got a question that I want to ask you that I ask everyone on the show. So I'm kind of slightly changing topics here. But um, you've had so many years of experience and probably a variety of different types of experiences at shoots. I have this section of my podcast that I call the photo shoot fail of the week. Can you describe a photo shoot that you had that was crazy for whatever reason, if it's the situation surrounding the shoot that made it crazy or perhaps the photographer themselves? Well, this is, this is funny. Like I had to actually stop and think about this and this was very, very early in my
1: career. So this was a TFP shoot. This is 2017 and a photographer reached out on model mayhem and he exclusively does shoots in urbex locations. And I really liked his locations. Like he just had some fantastic images. I'm like, yes. So I went down and stayed with him and his wife. His wife was going to be my co-model. So this guy lives in Brooklyn. So he was very instructive and like because these are urbex locations that we did not have you know permission to shoot in you kind of had to sneak in there so he was very detailed in telling me how we have to access these places and it was literally like a covert ops like we (laughs) we had a 2 30 a.m wake-up call we were on the road by 3 30 in the morning driving um to these locations and one of them was in new jersey and i'm not going to get more specific than that but it was an abandoned industrial complex and we were so this guy like he he's been doing urbex shoots and urbex uh scouting for like over 20 years and he knows so many amazing places primarily in the northeast so new jersey pennsylvania new york state and what the, what i found out is that this guy has scouted these properties years before and in some of these he literally would leave a cutting tool hidden in by a section of fence and he would mark that so that he would know where to go to find it when he went when he went back at a few future point in time so it's like five o'clock in the morning we're, we're walking along this fence line he finds the spot where we can get in and then he's uh, leading me and his wife you know to the to this this entrance of this uh this this building there's a number of buildings on the on this property, but this is the the entry point so we're inside this you know it's pitch black in there he's got a flashlight we're trying to make our way, and it's industrial, so like you know kind of being careful to walk around all of these these huge machines and everything. but we get to this one building and um we start shooting and we went through a variety of different buildings on this property. And we were just getting am- it's like almost amazing shots. These amazing machines were climbing on these machines, we're posing, it was fantastic. So we had shot, we were shooting there all morning long. And it was, it was this is late April, so it was cold. It was still cold outside, and it was cold inside, like inside the buildings, it's colder inside than it is outside. So at that point, been shooting for a number of hours. His wife and I are freezing our butts off, and we're like, we've got to take a break. So at that point it was almost noon and the sun had come out and it was actually a lot warmer outside so we walk outside we find like this area um, kind of like a kind of like a big driveway area it was still sheltered like we were in the back of this property like you could we were not visible from the road right like you would have to actually be inside this complex to be, to be able to find us so we sat down like his wife and I like we put our clothes back on and we have all of our gear with us, or our backpacks and everything we brought in. We're sitting on this concrete with you know, just warming ourselves. And all of a sudden we hear literally put your hands up and we turn our heads. Oh and there are these two big, beefy state troopers walking up towards us with guns on their hips. And we're like, oh, shit. So I stayed quiet. The wife stayed quiet. The photographer got up. And I mean, we were not threatening in any way. We're just sitting there. But these cops, obviously, they're like, you know, you're you're trespassing. What are you doing here? So the photographer played absolutely dumb, clueless guy. And he was just, you know, oh, we were just shooting and just, you know, it's a great place. It's just really cool. We're just taking photography. Nothing's going on. And it took like maybe 20 minutes, half an hour like the um the, the troopers were like, okay, like we got to call this into our supervisor and see what they want us to do. Like we were on the verge of being arrested and, and put in the back of the car, like being let off the property and being taken in. So thankfully the supervisor, whoever they talked to said, no, you know, you don't have to arrest them. I guess, you know, we were not who they were looking for and we were escorted off the property, but we found out from these troopers that they were not there to look for us in the first place. It literally was a coincidence that they happened to show up while we were there shooting. This is the story. And this is, this is just how crazy the story is. Somebody had posted on Instagram that they were going to go to that place, that complex that day, and they were going to do something called extreme hammocking. And this is where these extreme, I don't know, adventure people, uh, adventure seekers, they string, a hammock between the smokestacks of two, you know, like industrial properties or two industrial buildings, like warehouses that are next to each other. And then they get in the hammock and they just they pose and they're taking pictures of themselves uh, strung between these two smokestacks, you know, however many hundreds of feet up in the air. So someone had huh. seen that post on Instagram, called the police, read this person out, and they were there looking for him and they found us instead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whoa, that's so random and weird. I hadn't heard of extreme hammocking before. <laughs> no,
1: neither did I. I had to look it up. But what was what was really scary is like if those guys had shown up like just fifteen minutes earlier, they could, they totally would have caught me and the wife like naked hanging on all hanging all over these machines on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> so boy, talk about talk about escaping, you know, by a, a narrow thread.
0: So they didn't like ask to see the photos on the camera? No. That's good.
1: Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> wow, you guys got lucky. I've heard like you know people getting busted by the cops and they make them delete all the photos or something like that.
1: Yeah, I've I've heard stories like that too. Or they'll confiscate the the, the SD card. So you know we were lucky that they didn't ask to see the photos. But uh, like I said, they they actually were looking for somebody else and they happened to find us. But, whew, thank goodness that we were all we were all dressed at that point. <laughs>
0: Whoa, that's crazy. I wonder if they ever found the extreme hammocker person. I don't
1: I don't know. I was
0: looking around too,
1: like I was I was curious to see if I saw anybody hanging from a from a smokestack at that point, but I didn't see anybody.
0: Yeah, if you're gonna go like trespassing, why would you like announce when and where you're gonna go do it? Like that doesn't make any sense. I know, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> When you said you had a photo shoot experience at an abandoned location, you know, a lot of people have crazy experiences at abandoned locations. And I feel like I've just been lucky to have mostly chill experiences there. But now I feel like I have to be looking around my shoulder. Well, I am going to I'm going to make this statement
1: because I guess I've only really become aware of just like how commonplace security cameras are everywhere like everywhere so i think if in the future like any of us is going to go to an urbex location just because it's an abandoned building doesn't necessarily mean that there might not be active security cameras if the property owner is concerned about trespassers because you know it's a legal liability issue if they have an abandoned property someone gets in there most of these places most of them have fencing of some kind and if, you know, people are breaking in to go exploring, if someone gets hurt, you know, guess who's going to get sued? It's the property owner. Even if there were signs in the property saying, you know, no trespassing, they're still going to get sued anyway. So I would, I would always be kind of wary about the potential for, for cameras. Yeah. And then other people being there, you don't know what their motivations might be. And just then, of course, always, you know, broken glass, jagged metal that you could cut yourself on you know, accidents, that kind of thing. So these places, a lot of them are just absolutely amazing backdrops for like incredible images, but, you know, they're not the safest of locations for a reason.
0: Yeah, true. It comes with a risk. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the East Coast has a lot more compared to the West side of the U.S. as far as abandoned locations go. Yeah, that's, I guess, because historically, I
1: think back to the Industrial Revolution here back in the 1800s, we just had... So many of the those old brick warehouses and factories that were created, and that's where I think a lot of industry was located and then the west was not was literally not as settled i mean that's where people started heading west because of the great frontier and these huge you know states and just swaths of of land that was just open, and there was nothing there, so that's probably correct that there's a lot less industrial buildings probably out in the West coast than there are in comparison to the to the East coast
0: yeah. And I have sought out abandoned buildings specifically like up in that region, like upstate New York, Pennsylvania, and stuff like that. There's just so much more opportunity, but then they get torn down eventually. A lot of them do. Yeah. And that's a shame. So I see buildings like
1: that and you can just see the old glory. And if you're inside, like just some of the, the brick And the construction, the construction techniques, the materials that they used, I mean, they don't, they just, they literally don't make them like that anymore. So uh, it's sad when we lose that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have another question that I want to ask that I also ask everyone on the show. I call it the rising Phoenix era of your life. Can you describe, and this can be related to your modeling or not, just whatever you wanted to talk about. Can you describe a challenge that you were faced with you had to overcome it could be a career challenge a shift in your life or in your mentality or uh, insecurity that you had to overcome
1: yeah I'm definitely in terms of my professional career I've always been very self-directed and that's always been I've just when I decide I want to do something I am just super super tenacious about pursuing it and in retrospect sometimes to my own detriment because the professional career that I had, um, I actually ended up getting fired for my last, uh, what I call brick and mortar job, or my last, you know, W2 job, because that was back in 2017. I was working, you know, full time in my professional capacity, but I was modeling nude evenings and weekends on my own time. And uh, that's a cautionary tale about social media. I'll, I'll go into that in a minute. But I had a coworker find out and she took a screenshot of one of my art nudes and it was from my Instagram and it was censored of course, cause you just can't be completely uh, uncovered on Instagram, but you could still tell that I was nude, but even though it was censored and she sent it to our boss and I got fired from that job because of my, my nude work. Yep. But I decided like back at that point and I was again, brand new baby model. I did not know any better at the time because I'd seen so many other models say that they did this full time, the modeling that I thought, okay, you know what? I'm really miserable in my, in my, um, my, my, my career, my profession. And I'm just, I don't enjoy it. I'm not going to go back to it. I'm going to pursue modeling full time because other people are doing it full time. And if they can do it, I can do it too. So (laughs) I wish I knew back then what I know now, but yeah, I struggle with the aging thing and it does a number on my confidence every single day. Every single day, it does not feel good to just feel like I'm always pushing uphill against this barrier, having to convince people to work with me. So like I said, I do a lot of cold calling um, because if I I plan a trip somewhere, so yes, from the past six years, I have names of photographers that I've worked with in the past that I will certainly reach out to, but I can't simply rely on on those booking up a, a visit. So I'm always searching for new people and I, you know, I do what every other model does. I'm searching on model mayhem because they've got the search engine. I can search by geographic region, by city and state, which is very helpful. And then I send out my cold calls and there's, I think there's, there's, there's more than just one factor that goes on, but, and I've seen a lot of conversation about this between models this year in particular. It just seems like, I don't know what's going on specifically, but kind of suspecting that for a variety of reasons. I think there's an oversaturation. I think there's a lot more models now than there were even back in 2020. Yeah. This is post-COVID. A lot of people are traveling. They Because of COVID and everything was shut down, a lot of photographers put down their cameras. Some of them had just didn't go back. Others have retired. Others have simply moved on. And now maybe they're not shooting models. They're (laughs) shooting other things. Some people have literally died. Others are sick. And then this is very, very real. I mean, oh my God, the cost of living has shot through the freaking roof for everything, which now affects, you know, some people's availability to book models. And so, yeah, it makes bookings harder to come by. So I'll send out my cold calls and I I know I'm not the only one, but I see that I've been, I've been left on read and people don't answer me. They don't get back. And it's like, it just makes you start to doubt yourself. Like, gee, you know, why and of course my first thought is always well they don't want to work with me because i'm not in my 20s so it's just every single day i kind of have to give myself a, a a pep talk a talking to i have to kind of push through my doubts and you know i look at my work and i think to myself you know it is good goddamn it so i'm just going to keep i'm going to keep persevering and also i do I do want to be a role model. I will say that the few times that I've had other models who are younger than me reach out and tell me that I am, oh, what's the the word that I want to say? And now I see my brain. Inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. an inspiration because I'm out there modeling at my age. That makes me feel good. And because I want to show that we shouldn't be put out to pasture just because we reach a certain age. So that makes me feel better. It's really appreciated when I I hear from people who say that. So that helps.
0: (laughs) agreed and and then i would say that even like even though i'm not quite as old as you there's definitely a feeling for me that there's a lot of photographers out there that i don't want them to shoot with me because not just because they probably are targeting girls that just turned 18 or whatever but because like i don't want to be in their presence necessarily i i would rather like, you know, interact with certain types of people only digitally, like, you know, OnlyFans or Patreon or social media or whatever. But some people I feel I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to be in their presence. And and if they're not going to appreciate, you know, who the model is that they're going to work with anyway, then maybe it's not your loss. It it is their loss.
1: I try to remind myself of that. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, you just, all you can do is just try to keep, uh, maintain positive thoughts and maintain confidence and, and faith in yourself in the quality and caliber of your work and what you have to offer as a collaborative and creative partner and just try to to push on. So uh, that's the best that we can do. Word.
0: Well, I, I can understand that that might be a, a challenge that you are regularly faced with because, I mean, ev- everybody ages and everybody, not everybody, but I would say most people fear aging because they associate it with death, right? It, that's kind of at the root of it
1: death, disability, the fact that we don't look like we did when we were in our 20s. You know, it's funny, though, and I do have to say this. So I have an old passport where my photo, I was 21, and I look at that old passport photo and to my eye, like my face is so much rounder. And I guess because of baby fat in my face, like I don't Uh like the way that my face looked in that picture as opposed to now, because now one of the things from age is that I guess your face starts to settle in certain ways. But I have, I feel like I have better bone structure now than I did when I was in my 20, 21 year old self. Yeah. So that's, that's a positive. I'm like, yeah, I like my cheekbones, but yeah, it's just the number one reason why no one wants to get old and why it's hard for some of us to to really deal mentally with accepting that. And I'm just going to make a general, like, you know, soapbox kind of commentary on this. It's because as a society and I Do you believe this message is probably, well, definitely in this country, for the United States, I don't know as much maybe for European countries, but age is not appreciated. It's not valued. We have a cult of youth that worships youth, and youth meaning primarily 20, so that once you look like you're 30 or over, all of a sudden you start literally aging out of the admiration by society in general. And older people are generally not considered beautiful. They're not considered desirable. And then we can go further into sexism. So, you know, you've got males, older males who are considered silver foxes. So you've got the guys yeah. in 40s, 50s, some 60s, like, you know, once the gray starts coming in, oh, he's virile. He, look at the silver fox. But there's no such equivalent for older women. There still isn't. Older women are simply rendered invisible. We're not appreciated by society. And, you know, very few photographers are reaching out to 40 something saying, oh, my God, I want to shoot with you because you're hot. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a mental transition and just something that I feel like more of us need to really push back against.
0: With that in mind, what is your opinion of the categories or the the stereotypes for Cougar and MILF? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: I think the word MILF for the label MILF
1: irritates me. It just irritates me. I just, I don't know. Personally, I don't care for it. And then the cougar, I, I guess that irritates me too. So I don't know. Right is now, it the connotation that goes along with the word? I don't know. I guess I'd have to really kind of ponder. So I guess because of the whole, because it's it's um it's age related. Cougar is not used for younger women. It's used for older women. So I just, again, like I said, it's my personal thing. I just have a, I, I'm dealing with it. I have a hard time dealing with the aging. So I just don't like anything that is overtly called, that calls attention to age for me anyway. So, eh, what can I say?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can feel that. Like I, I have had like my own interactions with using those labels and then feeling like oh am I am I like turning off a whole you know group of people who might think that it's unsavory to use that hashtag or whatever or am I bringing more people to my page that might might not have found out about me that found out about me because I associated myself with those words as far as a marketing thing
1: Well, so on the marketing side, so there's so my personal feelings are separate from the marketing so On the marketing side, I can definitely see people wanting to use those hashtags because, yeah, there are people who do look for those hashtags or are fans of MILFs and Cougars, and they want to find models who are in those genres uh, or age categories. So, you know, fair game is fair game in terms of trying to bring eyes to your page and and get recognition uh, and awareness of your work. I think it's just everybody's personal decision as, as to what hashtags you're going to use for themselves and whatnot. Yeah. I just know for myself that I would rather be appreciated simply for having really good modeling and great artwork that's not overtly age labeled.
0: Yeah. And I suppose cougar and milf are generally like sexualized terms as well.
1: Oh, very definitely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like, like it's silver fox, silver fox is used in my perception anyway, maybe I have a wrong perception, but silver fox for older men I don't, I think to me that, that implies more like just the general attractiveness or hotness of, a, of an older man, but I don't pick up the same sexualization of silver fox the way that you get with, with milf and cougar. So that's another, that's kind of interesting. Why? So why is it that older men who are silver foxes aren't necessarily viewed almost as like predatory in their sexuality at that age, but older women are, where is, where is, where is that coming from?
0: Well, I mean, to me, I, I'm wondering if it's sort of along the same lines as that. It's okay for a guy to be a slut, but if a woman has more than one sexual partner in her life, then she's trash, basically, right? So if you're a, a cougar or a, a milf, then it is implied that you are experienced in in like sexual promiscuity, and that's a, for a woman, you would be looked down upon for that, and for a man, you'd be looked up. To, looked up to for that
1: yeah i think you're right on that and that particular what you just said so i think yeah if a woman is now being called a milfer a cougar she's being called out for her sexuality whereas men are not called out for theirs
0: that's yeah they're praised for it huh (laughs) <laughs> uh. yeah i guess it it, all, it comes down i mean I, I know that there's a lot of people that you know they're trying to bring the word slut into a praise sort of a genre instead of it being like a derogatory connotation like oh i want to embrace these things because i am a, a goddess and if you call me a slut or a whore then it's going to be a a compliment to me but then if you're if you are branding yourself as an art model then that doesn't really work out either way
1: yeah, oh boy, that's a whole separate conversation. For modeling, is the whole mentality like the, trying to to take you know the negative connotation of certain labels and turn them around and kind of turn them back on their head. I'm very aware of those efforts for a variety of things, and I agree with the motivation and the effort, like what it's trying to achieve. But yeah, man, it's hard. It's really hard to change societal perception of a certain thing.
0: Yeah, Uh, true. I guess it comes down to how convicted are you at trying to make that statement versus, like, how do you just want to be living in your own skin? Yeah. I want to ask you another question. Just because we've talked so much about ageism, I feel like we would be doing the podcast a disservice if we didn't talk about anti aging products and anti aging (laughs) procedures. Like, what is your opinion of those?
1: Oh, so glad you asked. Honestly. So I, so the, the few people who have ever like, contacted me said, you know, what's your skincare routine? I got to know. I tell everybody the same thing, and I'm absolutely dead serious about this. I, I, I say this jokingly, but, you know, I, I say basically buy stock in Avon. And I kid you not, I have been using Avon skincare products since I was 24. I noticed the first very fine lines on my forehead, and I'm like, nope. So I started researching um, Avon skincare. So Avon has this reputation, right? And I think probably the most commonly known one is that they've got some kind of a product called Skin So Soft. And I've, I've never personally used it, but I've always read complaints online that it like it stinks. Oh, Skin So Soft is terrible. It's got this awful smell. So that maybe that's what people know Avon for. I will tell people a secret that I think is not as well known. They have a line of skincare products called Anew, A-N-E-W, Anew. And also, I think they've under, undergone some rebranding too and have like updated some of the names of their, of their products, their skincare line. I think they used to have something called Clinical. I don't know if they still have Clinical, but I think they still have Anew. They've got Ultimate. They've got a couple of, a couple of other lines. They, for the money that you pay, they are comparable with what you would pay for brand names at a high-end Makeup counter at Macy's or Nordstrom or any of these other stores. And my mentality regarding money is you know, I would rather keep as much of my money in my pocket as possible. So I'm always researching brand names, I'm always researching skincare ingredients, and I'm going to buy the best product that I can buy for the least amount of money that I can find it. And there's no need to be paying top dollar for really high end names when it's the same damn thing that I can get in a jar of Avon. For half the price. Yeah. Sweet. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, retinol for forehead. So definitely for eyes, you're going to want to use peptides. Peptides are great for the thin skin around the eyes. And especially, this is the one biggest thing that I can tell anybody if you want to try to maintain a youthful appearance for as long as possible, because I always, always notice this. What ages people the most, besides, you know, jowl lines, which we're all going to deal with, that's literally gravity. And there's not a thing that you can do to prevent that from happening. But what you can prevent is crow's feet. And the reason why crow's feet develop is because people don't moisturize the skin around their the corners of their eyes nearly enough. I've literally been using, you know, these eye care products for the skin around the eyes since I was also in my early 20s. And also another secret, and this is a personal thing that I have, and it's it's a weird thing I noticed when I was in in my teens. I have it doesn't happen all the time, but I've got leaky corners on the, the, like when you cry, I think when you cry, the inner tier of uh, the, t- the inner corner of the eyes leak, I've got le- uh, kind of like watery eyes at the outer corners of my, of my eyes. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it, it's happened often enough that it's just annoying. Like there are some nights I'll be sitting on the couch watching TV and I keep wiping my eye and I'm like, ah, so what I do is I literally put a little dab of Vaseline at the very outer corner of my eye. And it kind of helps plug it up so that it's not leaking. So I've been using Vaseline on the outer corners of my eyes and underneath my eyes for decades. And I literally at my age, I'm over 50. I'm not going to get more specific than that. I don't have crow's feet. I haven't got, I have not got any crow's feet and that is highly unusual for someone my age. And it's because if you use moisturization and you keep up on the, on the, on the skin around your eyes, that's like one of the biggest things that you can do to maintain more useful appearance
0: sound advice yeah yeah that's um, great that I'll check out Avon I just usually happen to be at the store after I ran out of a moisturizer and I pick one that sounds good but not too high of a price sort of sort of kind of in the same range but I haven't really been married to any particular moisturizers brands but but that's a good uh, suggestion I'll check them out. For myself, so and here's another thing I can
1: get a little more deeper dive on Avon, and Avon's going to hang me if they ever hear this. But so <laughs> you can go to Avon's actual website, and you can pay I think what forty forty five dollars now for a jar of uh, I use Ultimate. I don't have the jar in front of me. I think th- I think it's called Ultimate Day Cream. It's got SPF twenty five, and if you read the ingredients, and I literally read the ingredients of the skin skincare product because I'm looking for specific things, it's got the things that I'm looking for. So that's my go-to and it is amazing, but I buy my Avon products from authorized resellers or from resellers on eBay. And I'm literally paying half price for that. So I'm picking up a jar for about 20, maybe $23 as opposed to twice that off of avon's own website nice yeah so this is what i'm talking about i mean it's like (laughs) it's my mission to find you know great skincare products for the least amount of of of, uh, money possible for brown spots or or sun damage there's a whole bunch out there but there's kojic acid mandelic acid glycolic acid those are very very helpful for lightening you know brown spots on the skin i'm using that as well and then peptides retinol and hyaluronic acid for moisturizing and like Bringing moisture to your face and, and kind of plumping up your skin tissues and kind of holding that in. So those are all the go tos that you really want to have in your regimen.
0: Wow, yeah. And then, what is your opinion of like anti aging procedures, like uh, micro needling or like Botox or like whatever people get when, like you know, when they go under the needle? So I am going to cop to Botox, and for me, it's absolutely. I think it's crucial for my
1: appearance and for the quality of the images. And this is why, because it's not just age, it is just a function of the forehead. And I've seen forehead creases in models who are in their 20s. You know, they'll post a photograph. So here's, here's an example. One of the classic boudoir poses is the model's lying on her back on a bed, and the photographer is taking a picture like from her head so that her head is facing the camera and it's the closest to the camera. And then you see her body, and she's usually, you know, contorted in a sexy pose, but she's her head. Is kind of, she's upside down and she's, she's staring into the camera, right? Yes. Well, it, it's damn near impossible to pull off that shot and not have a bunch of furrows in your brow because your forehead is just wrinkling yes. and it's just what it does. You're upside down and you're trying to hold this pose and you've got all these creases in your forehead. I'm sorry, that does not look attractive in in, in anybody, regardless of age. You know, so if I was a photographer, if regardless of whether it's a model that I hired or a client, like I'm gonna retouch that stuff out and try and smooth it a little bit because it's just not attractive on anyone. So regardless of in your twenties or in your fifties, I made the decision and, and for me this is a it's a professional investment in my modeling career. I get Botox injections and it makes a huge difference because my forehead is smooth and when I get pictures back. It's just like, oh, well, no retouching is going to need to be done. And I don't have unattractive creases in my forehead because that's just what foreheads do. So I've told this to people. I've had models ask me about it. And I personally recommend if someone wants to make that investment. For me personally, I think it's well worth it.
0: Sweet. Well, that's good advice also because, I mean, I'm always curious what other people who are older – are doing. And when you said there's one pose that boudoir photographers do, I immediately was thinking of the pose <laughs> that you described because yeah, no matter what age you are, you're laying on your back and they're, the photographers kind of like, you know, eye level to you. And they're like, all right, look up into the camera. And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, it's going to totally scrunch up my face, but here you go. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. You're cranking your neck. You're cranking your neck backwards. You're cranking your eyes. Like, you're, you're trying to, like, look in the... It's just, like, you can just feel, like, like you said, everything is scrunched up, and it's like, oh, yeah, that shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: I mean, in a sense, it's kind of like when they want you to twist around, but they don't want wrinkles in your side. I'm like, well, you're twisting me. Like, oh, this I happens.
1: <laughs> I know, the whole...
0: Yes, the whole skin
1: rolls That's like, that is literally the human body. Like, there's no way to to twist and turn and not have a skin fold there. That's just what the skin does. Yeah, just edit it out. You, know? <laughs> you don't <laughs> like it, edit it out. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that I am going to put out there, and I'm seriously, seriously considering this for myself, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, and that's another discussion, this whole thing about, oh, aging gracefully, it's all a personal, subjective opinion. Everybody's got their own opinion. I see so much of that online. I see it on Instagram. To me, I'm just going to be blunt about it. I'm sorry. That's just a bunch of, it's it's a bunch of PR and a bunch of false positivity. I don't truly think that there's anything graceful about aging at all. I really don't. When, you know, we've spent decades being our younger selves and looking a certain way and like in our mentality, like even now, like I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I'm just used to lo- looking a certain way. And then to notice, like when I look closer in the mirror and I'm like, oh, great, you know, I've got the the, the beginning of the drooping jowl line and then starting to see creases on my neck skin. It's like, Ugh, you know. Personally, I don't think that's attractive. And for myself, I don't think it's graceful looking and I have no intention of not doing something about it. So I have done as much as I can with topical anti-aging skin creams and treatments. I am fortunate that my skin is very receptive and it responds really well. So I've done as much as I can with, you know, the peptides and the retinol and all that stuff. And that's great, but nothing nothing is going to, there's no topical cream that's going to take away the effects of gravity. That just is a fact. And I very unhappily became aware of that because When I started modeling five years ago, six years ago now, even then, I can see the difference over six years' time. Like The very first images that I saw of myself, my jawline was a lot firmer and a lot more level back then in 2017 than it is even now today. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's progressing. I've tried everything I can topically to slow down that process and it's not slowing down. And that's just fact. I think for myself, I'm seriously considering looking at surgery to – to tighten, probably lower, what they call a lower facelift and a neck lift, because I think that would give me the most bang for my buck. And let's just be honest about this. like, I have no desire to try to attempt to look like a 20-something again. A, I don't think that's physically possible. B, I'm not looking for that. I like who I am. I really like who I've grown into. It literally took me decades to reach the level of self-confidence that I have, the knowledge that I have, knowledge of all kinds, you know, life experience, knowledge about careers and jobs and just, you know, a whole bunch of different things. I I feel like I've spent my entire life learning about a lot of things. I would not want to somehow go back in time to my 20s if I couldn't maintain the knowledge back then that I have now. But I just want to feel like I, I want my 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 outside to reflect my inside. I know that that's kind of like a saying and people have said that before about the reasons why they choose to have surgery to to have like a facelift. I don't feel old. I don't feel like, oh, you know, I'm in my fifties or pushing whatever. And I I, like, I want, I still feel like I'm in my thirties inside and in in my interior life, my mentality, my energy level sure as hell. I'm still a type A energy. I walk fast. I move fast. I'm like, I'm probably... I, I'm sure I'm talking fast for this podcast. No worries. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not slowing down. And so I want that. I want my external appearance to kind of reflect all the energy that I still have. So that's my biggest motivation. I just... I'm, because of the expense, I've, I've done a lot of research on this already. I'm not going to be able to do this more than once. There are celebrities out there that have had multiple rounds of facelifts. Oh, and there's also this model. Oh, I can't even pronounce her name. She's Italian. And I believe... I think she she's definitely ninety, maybe ninety-two at this point. And I kid you not, this woman is five foot eleven. She's been modeling for decades. She is one of the original supermodels back from the nineteen fifties. And you can still you can tell she's older, right? But for for a ninety-year-old, her face looks amazing. This woman very clearly has had multiple rounds of, of facelifts. So she she has, you know, white hair. She very clearly is, you know in her 80s or above, but she looks phenomenal, quote, for her age. And it's because she's had surgery. I'm not going to go that route. I'm not going to have the money to go that route. But I just, I want to invest in a really good, hopefully find the right surgeon with the track record to, if I could look like I was 35 again, I would be super, super happy. And that would last me for, in terms of my personal, like, I would just be like, I'm, I'm totally ready to by the time time I hit my 70s, I'll be ready to more accept it by then. But just not now. I feel, I still feel way too young, and I just want to reflect that. So,
0: right on. And we're lucky that you. technology has like brought the opportunity for those types of like enhancements.
1: Yeah. And like anything, buyer beware. Uh, there's that saying, caveat emptor, buyer beware. You have to do a lot of surgery. I'm sorry, a lot of research into the surgery, a lot of research into the person. There are, there's no shortage of plastic surgeons out there. They're all going to hang their shingle out. They're all going to want you to pay them. And some are truly excellent at what they do and others, you know, I look, you go to their website and you're looking at their their, their port of their work and I'm not impressed with what I see. So you just like for any doctor in any field that you're trying to find you have to try and make sure that you're finding the right person so that's going to be my challenge I'd say within the next probably couple of
0: years I think sweet well we'll look forward to finding out who you chose to work with uh if it goes well if it goes well well, (laughs) I I
1: hope I hope it goes well
0: yeah oh yeah (laughs) Well, and we've had so many different like topics that we've gone over. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we end the show? Um, no, I'm just going to wrap it by saying that I am super,
1: super appreciative of having the opportunity to connect with other models, to network with them. I've met friends. I just really appreciate the ability to have those friendships and to exchange information and resources, to be part of an amazing community. To make art. I mean, this is, it's a very, very different life than I had when I was pursuing a white collar career, completely different community, different mindset. I just, ugh, this is super special. I'm aware of how privileged I am to be a part of it. So, kind of like, oh, my heart is just feeling full right now. So, Aww. thank you to everyone out there.
0: And thank you for also being there and to responding positively when people reach out to ask you about questions, because you're right, there's not very many you know, full-time experienced freelance models out there that have your age. And we all have questions for you. And a lot of us, just like after you, re- after a lot of models reach a certain age, we just kind of fade out and like nobody can contact them anymore. And you're like, wait, I had questions, you know, I'm reaching that, that age, or I'm reaching that idea where there's people that you want to reach out to and ask questions because they've had that experience. But If you're not making yourself available, then, you know, you wouldn't be able to ask the question. So thank you for making yourself available and so open.
1: Thank you. No, I, I will say in the podcast for anyone who hears it, just the way that I tell people directly or in group chats, I am always happy to share whatever information and resources that I have. So please ask away and if I can help, I will.
0: Thank you so much. And what well, was great having this conversation with you, and I will talk to you on Instagram after this. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.